Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time of the week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week long, and we're stoked to be joining you. This is Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And you are listening to the True Wealth Radio Show. Well, uh, Matt, all I yes. can say is what a brutal day for the stock market. Ouch. Right? We have had a, a fantastic run in the month of September. If I am. And historically, <laughs> September is kind of a tough month, right? It is, right? Yeah. So we started, though, uh, we, the first day was a Thursday, and markets were up. Friday they fell. Monday they fell to what appeared to be the trough of the week. So the low watermark was 3886.75 on the S&P 500 before reaching a high water mark yesterday intraday of 4119.28. Yeah, a day or two ago things actually oh, that felt that was yesterday's or, yeah, intraday mean, high. Right. Right, markets closed yesterday at 4110, the high was 4119 and some change. And today we finish at 3932.69. Which the low of the day was 3921.28. So it did manage to rally 11 whole points uh, from the lows, the end, yeah. from the very, very lows. But uh, now the question is is this a calamitous, horrifying event where we all need to panic? Uh, is, there, is there any silver lining to this? And the answer is maybe. Ooh, the spin of positivity. Right? Maybe. But then again, we won't see. What's really interesting to me, now all of you listening, I don't expect you to really follow along with this, but one of the things that we analyze in the host of other data is some quantitative data. Now remember, quantitative is the study of price and volume. Okay, so how many people are buying something at what price point and in how aggressive a fashion? Mm -hmm. Okay. Was the volume low or high today? I did not pay attention to that. Okay. I don't even have that in front of me right now. But what I can tell you is that we saw the, the several key points in the market where we didn't fall below some key lines in the sand today. Mm -hmm. One of them, and this is a really interesting one, but the market does care. Markets like to watch uh, moving averages. One of their favorites is the a lot of people like the 40-day moving average or 40-week moving average, but also 50, 100, and 200. Okay, the 50-day moving average. If you look at the where it went, the low point in the last uh, like six months happened on July 22nd. 39.19.05. Okay, so the low today is 39.21.28. So still, there were two Real more close. points. It got way down to that, but it didn't actually dip under. It went down and tested it. Is it what you're tested, saying. but it didn't fail. Now, today was a beatdown kind of test, right? When you talk points and percentages, and I like percentages more, but points, S&P fell over 177 points. The Dow fell over 1,200 points today. And the NASDAQ fell over 600 points today. But let's put that in perspective because points are for people that don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. Right? Because points are for, if you've been watching the market for 30 years and you've never adjusted, 
right? This is you thinking that a gallon of gas should still cost 61 <laughs> cents, right? Right. And you're going, man, gas is expensive. I remember when it was 60 cents. And anybody that was born in the last 20 years is doing a face palm going, it's never been 60 cents. What are you talking about? Right. Right. So it's all a matter of time and perspective. Well, in actual percentages, the S&P 500 fell 4.32% today. That's more than 4% in one day, which this officially ranks it as one of the worst days I have ever seen in my career. Is it really? Yeah. Over 4% is a damaging day in the market, in my opinion. Now, just consider that that by itself is 20% of the way to a bear market if you were at all-time highs. One day move, and you're 20% of the way into a formal bear market. Yeah, I mean, perspective-wise, that's a that's good perspective. Okay, uh, it gets more interesting. The Dow was the performer of the group; it only fell three point nine four percent. But yeah, wow. But the Nasdaq fell by five point one six percent. And I'm not trying to be alarmist here when I say this, and I'm truly not. I, but I am telling you that when I see a five percent move in the Nasdaq. That is reminiscent of the days that I remember in 1999, the dot com, in when the dot com bubble burst and things just collapsed. The question is, what has caused this? Mm-hmm. Okay, what was the trigger point today that got the markets into such a tissy fit? I think part of it was the news that the Fed might actually be stepping up with more rate hikes and larger rate hikes than some had hoped, right? Well, yeah. I mean, basically, inflation came in really hot. Yeah, I think it was right? at 8.3%. Yeah, 8.3%. I think that's correct. And so when that happens, it's like... Hey, it's not working. Our attempts to slow this thing down aren't working. Yeah, it, that inflation level is way too high. It's four times higher than what, it, mo- than what the Fed's mandate is. Right. Right? And they've be been trying two. to fix this all year. Yeah. And it's not working. Yeah. And so we saw just a shellacking and a risk off trade. Okay. Uh, and if you want a real perspective on this, th- so the NASDAQ's down a little over 5%, Dow's over 4%. I'm sorry, the Dow's almost 4 and the S&P's over 4 Bitcoin lost 9.87% today. Wow. Okay. So Bitcoin now, it was down to the 18,000 range. Last week, and I can remember it's, it's it trading 20, in the forties. So it's still above yeah. that, but it had peaked. Uh, it had recovered in. In so let's just look at the last one month. The last one month, it had been as high as twenty four thousand three hundred and some change. It dipped to as low as eighteen eight, and then it had just spiked back up to twenty two four yesterday, and now it's back down to twenty one ninety. So. Big, big swings. It lost over $4,000. Um, or in the last month, it's down almost 17% in the last month. But just today, it was down over $2,200, almost 10%. So that is a painful day for the crypto family. It is a super wild ride for crypto. And it, it sort of begs the question of, you know, what's going on and why do we see these um, major swings like why did gold drop today yeah you know this was one of those days where nothing was off the table right right? like everything took it right 
the euro versus the dollar right now. That's so, another one that's really interesting to yeah, me. To uh, see the euro and the dollar finally at yeah. parity. Well, and not quite. Euro's uh, 99.71. Okay. I mean, right it this second. It crawled up a little. It's still trading in yeah. real time, right? Uh, what I can tell you is the Fed is over a barrel. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they just yeah, they don't. A, they're out of options. There's a real problem here, where when you have a runaway inflation and the job market is like you're not taming it, mm -hmm. right? And the Great Resignation means there's this massive loss of workers in the marketplace. And so wage inflation just continues. So wage inflation is, and if you don't believe it's real, go look at what fast food employees are getting paid now. It's right? insane. Three years ago, people were saying we need a living wage. We need people to make seventeen dollars an hour. And now people are making $17 an hour, and everybody's going, it's not going to work. It's not enough. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. Look at inflation. It's not enough. And this is where guys like me do a facepalm and, and refer to last show when we go, you might be an idiot if you don't know how the inflation cycle works. Right. Because we tell you this, and then people go, nah, rah, 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 politics. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to hear it. They're just like, I just want the money. And Give I'm me the like, money. Rah, 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 politics, reality. Okay, this we're in reality land right now. Yeah. <laughs> so... The Fed's stuck, okay, and I, I I'm not gonna I don't really want to spend this whole show talking about why the Fed is stuck. Let's just kind of sum it up this way: Fed is stuck because in this environment they have to raise rates. Mm -hmm. But raising rates when you've had it takes leverage out of the system, right? Okay, it means there are fewer dollars in circulation to chase goods and services. And so that is deflationary pressure-wise, but it's not working. That's right? the problem. The problem is we broke things by writing stupid big checks. And we just wrote another one. Indiscriminately. And we're doing it again. Right. And so this is not a question of uh, like, like the, uh, an equal opportunity to throw everybody under the bus of it. You know, if, you got a, if your business got a PPP loan when you didn't really need it, but you took it anyway. All right, that you're part of the challenge, right? You got student loan forgiveness. All right, you're part of the gig. Okay, like every end of the spectrum, everybody. Yeah, was did just you get a stimulus check? Money, mana yeah. from heaven. Okay, mm -hmm. it wasn't. It doesn't work that way. That's called debt monetization, right? This thought We're process that you can just have it money. all. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't conjure new value. It just waters the value of everything down. Okay, and so that's where we're at on this one. Is it's like, hey. Um, your your fruit juice tastes watery now because we just diluted it. Mm -hmm. So and good. we're charging you more for, more for it. Yeah. or we're charging you the same, but you're getting less right. juice. Right now you have yep. more water, less juice. So that's the issue. That's what we did to the economy. It really is that simple and straightforward. Now the knock-on ramifications are very complex, but the Fed is stuck, and every time they have to raise interest rates. That is taking more money out of the system, and it's coming from everywhere, including the stock market. Mm -hmm. Right? Stock market is trying to anticipate when the Fed can be done. They're trying to price this in. And what today was, pardon me for being a little crass on the program, but this was the equivalent of economic data giving a middle finger to investors and saying, nanner, nanner. <laughs> right? I mean, they're saying... What you are doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. The Fed is going to be forced to raise rates to try to tame this thing. You can try to tap dance around it and 
you know, manipulate the data or say why the data is not saying what it says it's saying. But we all know in reality that yes, gas prices have dropped, but other material things in our world have certainly not. Mm -hmm. And so the squeeze is still on and we have to do something about it. So the market basically learned today what we thought was happening, that inflation was abating, that we were maybe going to engineer soft landing. The probability of that just dropped. And the market said, well, how much? And the answer is between 4 and 5%. It seems like the market's value. living on some extremes because there was some good news there for a little bit where it seemed like the Fed might be kind of easing up, right? And then we had that big run up to 4,300. Like yeah. it happened and then the We're, tides change and boom, we have yeah. another big reaction. And it's the, a roller coaster. It will ride. continue to be a guessing game. Yep. I'm just I'm convinced that uh, the the guessing game I mean there are those out there that are calling for uh, I mean some pretty radical stuff. Right? I mean have everything from political coup to um, uh, you know, next pandemic or you mm -hmm. know, air quotes plandemic to just a actually we're turning the corner and this is the perfect time and you need to be pushing your chips on the table right now. You right. Can, they are all out there and available. All of them. Okay. So anyway, if you're wondering as an investor what to do, I have only one simple thing to offer you. If you're an investor. Just one thing. Just one thing. But I'm going to guess that I don't get to know what it is until you take this obscene profit break. Okay. Matt will set up the teaser. Okay. It's, it's that simple. I promise it's really simple, and you're going to do a face palm, but I'm not going to tell you until we get back. So we'll take a break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth. Uh, News Radio, 93.9 FM at 1240 KQEA. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. Okay, if you're just getting caught up, grab the podcast, and you can... Listen to the backstory uh, to, to understand what we're answering right now. And that's available at our website at littlejohnfs.com. Also, now you can start to track our blog. Mm. Okay? So it's officially live and up there. And if you want to track some of the investment um, analysis that we do, right? Not mm -hmm. recommendations, just kind of a look at what's going on here. The, the wacky one is published yesterday and actually had some support levels that indicated that the market may run down to almost exactly where it is today. Mm -hmm. You just didn't and expect it to happen in I a day. Figured it, I actually didn't think it would happen at all. I thought that the market was going to grind higher and was going to test 4150 this week. Mm -hmm. And instead, we're testing the opposite. We're down at 39.32. So 177.72 points lower for the S&P 500. To which I say, meh. Right, that's my technical term for that. Don't right. like it. But at the break, I promised our listeners I wanted to offer one piece of advice for how to navigate a market like this. Okay, give me your one piece of advice, David. Right? Just and, throw and it down. Is, I have to be sort of careful about the way I frame this because how you take this could be misconstrued as investment right? and advice. So this is going to be. Uh, when I say this is not advice that I want you to go trade on, this is advice I want you to implement to s to improve your analysis, and that is be patient. 
right? I know this is rocket science here, but we're in the middle of a game where you have to make some decisions. Are you investing or trading? Okay. Unfortunately, in my opinion, you're going to find a lot of people that are out there. And where I see it a lot right now is in the YouTube landscape where everybody is out there peddling their opinion. Mm-hmm. No different than what I'm doing right here. Okay. So let me give you like a kind of a recipe for what to pay for. First, listen to what they're saying. Then second, cross-reference it with what they're selling. Boom. Okay. So you can do that with me right now. Listen to what I'm saying to you as we offer advice. And then let me tell you the simple formula. Okay. I say this on the radio all the time. If you can do it yourself, do it. If you can't do it yourself or won't do it yourself, two different things, right? Then seek professional assistance when it comes to your investments and financial management. I don't care if you're coming to us or somebody else, but find somebody competent, qualified, and that you trust so that you can work with them. Mm-hmm. And make sure that they'll follow through, right? There are a lot of really friendly p- practitioners that don't necessarily follow through that well. So you need to be aware. So what is the question? Like, What are we selling? We're selling our investment advisory services. We invest professionally for people. We help with financial planning and strategy. We attempt to reduce the amount you pay in taxes and to keep more money in your pocket. We try to lower volatility. We try to be responsive to what financial strategy is appropriate for you as an individual because you are unique from our other investors. Doesn't mean that everything we do is unique for you and nobody else gets what we do. We do share in the intellectual capital, right? So if we're investing for one person and it's applicable to lots of people, they all get the benefit of the research at the same time. Mm -hmm. But we work on a case-by-case basis with people to custom fit to their need. And that's really what we peddle. And on this program, what we peddle is a... I feel like it's education that we're peddling. Well, it's education. So that people can make the right decisions. I think the attempt is transparency and trust Mm. so that you can either cross-reference with somebody else what i want you to be is successful okay if that's with our firm it's fantastic right because we win with you and that's the Mm -hmm. way we're designed in a i can't say fee only because we do have an insurance brokerage that in in many cases if if we like if you buy life insurance through our firm there's a commission associated with it. We'll tell you what it is. It's tr- fully transparent. You're aware of it. So you can know whether or not that's influencing our recommendation. But when it comes to the investments, there's no commissions associated with the investments. Right. right. Not when we're doing money management. So we're, we're paid as a percentage of what we're managing with our clients. Yes, the fee varies. And uh, if you're wondering what the fee is, I'm going to tell you, why don't you first ask what you get? That's a really good question because okay. everyone tends to focus on, well, just tell yeah, me the fee. What's it cost, right? It's like, well, what are you paying for? Are you ordering a ribeye or are you getting the, you know, yeah. the side salad? Spam. Yeah. <laughs> the spam, so, yeah. So exactly. They're not the same thing and you got to know what you're ordering. So uh, we're not going to delve into that on the show today, but I'm going to tell you that's the point, right? And so I'll come right out and tell our listeners, you guys are smart. You can figure this out, right? Like it says in our little credits and so forth, the beginning and the end. Okay, well, this is not necessarily the opinions of this statement. It's because this is our show. We get to have our show. It represents our firm, not the radio station. Mm -hmm. So it's our opinions. And that's why I'm careful about when we give advice. It's 
If it's generic advice, great. But specifics, no, no. That's why you come see a pro directly for your circumstance. Yeah. You're not all cookie cutter out there. No. It seems like every single financial situation is slightly different or drastically different right. than the than the last. And so you have to look at this on a case-by-case -case basis. You do. And, and let me tell you something. If you've got a great relationship with an advisor in town, I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I really am. Um, I know a lot of the practitioners in town, and there's great advisors. Right. Right. And I think that their motivations are pretty pure, too. Like, I think we have a, a overall, and, and I, I can't say who would not fit this mold, but I think most people do. And I think largely the industry does pretty well. There's just a few bad apples that does, you know, it just ruins it for everybody. But anyway, uh, so the advice remains, be patient and bring in a ringer if you need help. Mm -hmm. like, like, and I, I have to remind you, our job is not to outsmart the markets. Now, we're going to attempt to do that where we can using the resources that we have at our disposal. But I can't compete against a high-frequency trader mm -hmm. on directly on Wall Street that's got a whole different level of access. So we're not going to play the game to beat them. We're going to play the game to to work for you or for our client in general, right? You know, you is the air quotes, work, work for our individual customers. And... We're going to just try to be make make smart stewardship level decisions. Mm -hmm. But I can't be I can't make the market do something. Right? It sucks when the markets are down like this today. But you cannot conjure performance out of the markets by gritting yeah. your teeth. You cannot out-research your rationality. Right. right. The only way That's that a quote to remember forever. Like write that down somewhere and put it on the internet. You can't out-research your rationality. And you don't have a crystal ball. You weren't able to look into it last I night have a and say, ball. "It doesn't do crap." Right. You look at it; it's just empty. And like, it's granted, yeah. There's there's no voodoo. You know, we haven't sold our soul to the devil to predict the future and do. I mean, maybe you could do that, but I wouldn't do it anyway. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't there a Charlie Daniels song about that? Somewhere? There's a fiddle of gold <laughs> somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but let me tell you, I'd lose that bet. Because mm -hmm. so, <laughs> I don't think I'm better than anybody. <laughs> One of my favorite songs ever, by the way. Yeah, if 2020 brought one tragedy to us that is official, it was the loss of Charlie Daniels. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. um, Rest anyway. in peace. So, so there you have it on, on the first of, I needed to rant about the market state. I needed to get this out of my system. Do you feel better? No. Darn. I know, right? <laughs> no. At least you're honest. I, I don't. This is not a fun experience. No. But but I, I wish we could give some context. We were talking about it this break. Uh, so the markets are lousy. So people are like, I better go buy gold. Uh, oh, yeah. I hear and, that and all I the time. And I chuckle and go, just so you know, uh, gold was about, it got up to just around eight, almost $1,800 an ounce back in 2012. Uh, and guess where it is today? Just over $1,700 an ounce. So 10 years later... Gold is just now getting to the price it was 10 years ago. What about so, the S&P over 10 years? Let's just, I want a side-by-side. -side. So gold basically dead right. flat over so the last gold, 10 years. Let's trace the S&P 500 right. back well, 10 years. You know what? I'll just do it. So let's say okay. we're going back to, uh, so 10 years we're going back to, uh, let's go to June. Or we want to we do. Somewhere in September of 2012. Okay. So I'm pretty close right there. Sure. And let me do a comparison of 
uh, I don't want so I got to come up with the closest thing to so we're comparing uh, the, gold, the gold over 10 years to the S&P yeah, over metal, 10 years and I don't have a, a way to do gold to metal so I'm going to use an ETF as a proxy we'll use GLD sure. uh, which is a pretty decent proxy mm -hmm. uh, pretty over close. that period the S&P 500 has increased in value 185.79% and this is going back to January 4th or I'm sorry uh, let, let me let me let me plug this in we'll do September 9 No we're getting 13, we're getting real technical 2012. now I like it I like it and apply so if we do that what we're seeing is the S&P 500 index has gained 189.81% and gold has gained negative 0.44%. There it is. So it's totally flat for the last 10 years versus the S&P 500, even falling 4% plus today, is up almost 200%. I appreciate you taking the time to put that number out there because I've heard it from people, right? Where they're like, you know, I'm scared right. and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bail on right. everything and I'm just gonna go give my... Let's go back to 2002, which I don't even know if uh, the GLD goes back that far, but let's try it and see. Um, no, it starts in 2004, so we're going to have to... Let's take it there. So we'll have to do that. We're going to say uh, 0101 2004 and plug that puppy in there and see what we got. Still didn't exist yet, so we'll have to modify that too. It looks like... We're gonna we're gonna go to 2005. That's pretty close. It looks like sure. it started in November of 2004. So, 2005 to present, that is what 17 years. Mm -hmm. And now the interesting thing is, over 17 years, gold is up 290.73 percent. S and P up 244.51. So gold has outperformed over 17 years. Okay. But over the last 10. But over the past 10, it's close. it's not even close. And this is the issue: is that gold isn't this mystery inflation hedge what it is is a non-correlated asset that does its own thing a lot of the time mm -hmm. and so people get the impression now it's clearly gone up over time and it has hedged against inflation but gold has become its own market in the last 10 years what do you think we can attribute that to just, oh, just a lot more sophisticated ways to access the markets sure i mean we've yeah. had this explosion of technology in the past 15 years that has radically altered the way investors can access things. And a lot of new investors, too. If you oh, look at the geez. numbers, it's like well, the, I mean, the do-it-yourself new investor, that statistic has gone through the roof. Yeah, look at the Robin, the Robin Hood, Hood investor, right? Yeah. I mean, these aren't even investors anymore. These are people that Speculators. get on their phone with an app and play around and basically legally gamble in the stock market. Sure. So, okay, with that, what, what was our summary of the section? Yeah, good. They're playing the music so we can go to break. Um, markets are changing, which means we as investors need to be adaptive. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that, but not until we finish this important break. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth. On News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show where all of the sky is falling. Oh, no, get your umbrella. Oh, wait. Right? Oh, wait. <laughs> There's another example of what we want to talk about for this next segment, and that is 
the proliferation of hyperbolic language. I've seen it, David. Translation. I've seen it. We hear more and more and more stupid, exaggerated statements. It's almost to the point to where you can't even listen to it because you don't know what's true and what's not. Well, I don't even know how to gauge it anymore because what people do is they take these these terms that don't they're completely subjective in nature. Like mm-hmm. the market crashes and you're like, so it's down two percent. Okay. Two percent's no fun. Like even today, no fun. Uh and and what's a crash anymore? Mm-hmm. Right? Market plummets. Okay, well today market maybe you could say plummets. When it drops four percent, you're like yeah. this statistically is like one in three hundred kind of day. Right. Yeah. Like like you know, we haven't had a trading day like this. We get like one or two a year this bad. Or maybe one or two every few years this bad. Mm-hmm. Right? So you go, Oh man. All right. So plummet might be the right word, but when when the stocks plummet by you know, a hundred points and you go a hundred points. That's like 0.3%. <laughs> right. And, and it's just, they're just trying to get you to click on it. Yeah. It's clickbait. It's marketing jargon. It's fear tactics. What it is, is it's nauseating. Well, and half right? the time they're There's trying to sell you on their idea. The like you click on it. Hey, markets plummeting. It's down half a percent. But here, if you just do this, we'll Your sell market you this. Skyrocket. Yeah. By Again, half a percent. And you just think, well, what does skyrocket mean? Yeah, I mean, even if the markets were to go up 5% in a day, right? Comp- yeah. Year to date, it's like, well, still be down. They st- <laughs> we're still down. Well, and here's the really frustrating part. Markets collapse by 5%. Next day, markets rocket higher by 5%. Uh, I have news for you. The markets are still lower than they were the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because if you fall 5%, it takes more than 5% to make up for the loss. I guarantee you someone just heard that and said, wait a minute, I didn't hear him right. No, and they're no. scratching Follow their head. this math. You have $100 and you lose 5%. Here, here we go. This is now where it gets good. Now you have $95. You make 5%, right? And mm-hmm. 5% of 95 isn't five dollars right it's like four dollars and ninety cents mm-hmm. so you're still less than you started you need to make more on a percentage basis than what you fell in order to recover that the easy math is to say i had a hundred dollars and i lost half of it so fifty percent loss i make fifty percent return tomorrow how much money do i have $75, right? 50% right. return on $50 is half again more. So you're still down so 25%. Still down 25%. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the problem is you don't if you lose 50%, you need 100%. You got to double it to get back to where you started. I feel like people use that to manipulate the numbers all the time. Well, I feel like people just miss the context of numbers all the time and you know, what's not thrash on statistics they're super useful you just need to know what they mean mm-hmm. right and and the joke has been for years right there's three kinds of um lies in the world right there's regular lies there's damn lies and there's statistics mm. <laughs> <laughs> right and you go well this is what we mean right and so anymore i feel like that's the world that we live in in the media is like well, there's headlines, there's damn headlines, and there's clickbait, yeah. which might just be headlines, right? That's just where it's at. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with some buddies over the weekend. We kind of lamented about the idea that um, a lot of, and, and mainstream media gets this 
it's too lumpy, right? That category isn't fair. So let me try to define it. The mainstream media, I'm going to say, is nationwide, nationwide distributed media with very, very highly concentrated ownership. Mm-hmm. Like a billionaire owns it. Yeah. And the billionaire may have an axe to grind. And I go, well, now you have a handful of media sources with a billionaire boss with an axe to grind that will start to curate the news. And and the other is you have a very really small group of people that actually control the editorial content within those organizations. Right. And if they all have the same ideological mindset, then you can start to coalesce around a narrative. Mm-hmm. And we've all heard this before. I'm not this isn't conspiracy theory stuff either, by the way. This is just this the like, way it operates. Right. Right. And and I'm not that's not like a shot. It's just an acknowledgement of like but yeah, you get a bunch of like-minded people in a small group that's concentrated, then you're going to get that kind of output, right? Because there's there going to be a lot of agreement. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the frustration is you just get this sort of clickbaity stuff going on, and it makes the job of the financial professional a lot harder. Right, because, because you're having to fight someone's preconceived notions. Or I'm now having to fight the YouTube research warrior. Mm-hmm. It says, "Well, I saw this video. Take check check it out. It's like, it's an hour long, right? I can't just spend an hour weeding through somebody else's opinions to find out where they're they're not grounded in, you know, facts or relevant or useful stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if please don't send me your YouTube videos about somebody predicting the end of the world. I have a really really easy, if you think the end of the world is coming, you want to know why? I don't care." Because we're screwed either way. Yes. I mean, that's the short answer. The short answer is there's this totally pragmatic, like practical matter of fact way to address if the end of the world came. So it's like, what are you going to do about it? Are you actually going to act on it? Well, there's no investing around the end of the world. There's no special trade that you can do. Buying gold doesn't fix the end of the world. Mm -mm. Right? Buying bonds or putting it in a margin account or your cash cash is meaningless in the end of the world mm-hmm. bitcoin is meaningless in the end of the world oh man now you fired up the bitcoin people they're like well, oh but, it's worth it all it's like well, but you know bitcoin's got its own problems right the fact yeah. that the cost of energy is well, starting to exceed the cost of what it takes to mine the bitcoin and you're right like, it's too expensive to mine it so it's starting to become a problem. Well, and Bitcoin has actually kind of become pretty highly correlated to the market, which oh, yeah. super which risk on risk off. That wasn't really, I think, its intent. I don't think its yeah, nature Fed was to be. Interest rates and Bitcoin drops. It should be the other way around. Well, unless it's an inflation hedge, right? It's like, right. oh, well, we're not going to have inflation, so Bitcoin drops. Mm-hmm. Like, huh? So. It's like, well, what is it? Is it risk on? Is it risk off? Is it inflation hedge? Isn't it? it? What it is is highly correlated markets right, right now. And it seems to be a risk on, risk off trade. Bitcoin's still trying to figure out what it wants to be. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up, Bitcoin? It's a fine question, isn't it? Come on, Bitcoin. Talk. Share. Yeah. Tell us what you really want. Open up your feelings, Bitcoin. <laughs> You know, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> so, That's a rough childhood too. Exactly. When you really, regulations, no, no. I remember back when it was just raspberry pies mining me for fun, <laughs> <laughs> and now there's massive, you know, GPU farms. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we really got in the weeds there for a second. Look out! 
So I'm not even sure how we provide value to our investors today other than to suggest, <laughs> let me get back to home base of the the practical thing. Is, I think it goes back to- It was to, the end of the world trade, right? It well, was like, is it really practical? No, I, like, I want to no. go back to what you said earlier in the show. Please. You said something that was really important. And I think it's kind of the theme here today. You said, you got to have patience. Yeah. That's really what this conversation comes down to, well, in my or mind. Or you, you have to know what your principles are as an investor. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide, am are I you a trader or am I trading? Yeah. Right? Are you a trader? Okay. Now, can the two exist simultaneously? Can you be an investor and trader at the same oh, time? Oh, I want to answer this, David. Well, I'll let you, Matt. After our oh, last Oh, don't do that to me. I'm totally going to do it. So um, Matt will bring us back, and you want to talk right. about... Investing can and I be, trading. Yeah, can, can you, you wear two hats? Ooh. Oh, that and a little bit more. But first, this important message. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM and 12:40 KQEN. Hey, gang! Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where we We're- are wearing. Two hats mm. in this last segment. We're, Matt, what am I talking about? Well, we kind of left the listeners off on this question that you had of, can you be a trader and an investor? And I said, ooh, 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 let me answer that one. And you said, no, Matt, we have to take profit breaks. But now we're back, and I'm ready to answer your question, David. Right. Okay. And my answer to you is, yes, you can do both. Okay. And here's why. So I'm going to quote Justin. He's not here with us, but he's one of our advisors. And I love this example, and I use it all the time. He talked about different buckets. And he said, you know, say you've got, I'm just going to throw out a number. Say you got $100,000. Mm-hmm. You can do, I'm just going to make it real simple. Imagine three different buckets. You've got your short-term bucket, your long-term bucket, and um, kind of that middle-of-the-road bucket. Mm-hmm. So you might approach this. Um, from the standpoint of saying, well, I'm going to take maybe a third of my money and put it in this bucket where I want access to my money right now. And so your risk there is lower and you're going to kind of leave it in a cash-like account. And then you've got maybe another bucket where you're targeting an income stream, right? right? And so you've got some money invested that way. Maybe you split that other bucket into two different buckets and you say, here's my long-term hold this is where I'm going to invest it, plan not to touch it, make it higher risk. And with this other bucket, we're going to be a trader. And this is where this is money I might be able to afford to lose. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to bring in some speculation into the account. And you target some stuff that you have conviction towards. So you can trade on that amount. You're not trading and betting on the whole farm, but you're using some speculation on a fraction, maybe a quarter of the account. So you can do it. You can trade and speculate. And here's where I'm going to expand even further. I'm going to let you in on a little glimpse at what we like to do in our practice, right? Which is when it comes to money management, Mm -hmm. we modify position sizes. Okay, so the idea is it's not an all or nothing now. Mm-hmm. So we may take a position in something. I'm going to use a real position in our portfolio, not a recommendation, but I want to give you a real life example. 
we own Costco. Okay? Yeah. And there, there's, a, there's a company that uh, pretty much every advisor in the office, we all like it. It, mm-hmm. it screens well in almost every way that we look at it from uh, – management to the way they deal with cash to how much customers seem to like them to the fact that they were allowed to stay open in uh the pandemic you know lots of reasons that we like costco we think it has an interesting moat around it because a lot of the stuff they sell is big and doesn't ship well right Mm -hmm. so they can get trucked into a warehouse but people still go to pick it up so it's an interesting business to us that uh so 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 we like it as an investment it's does it again not a recommendation when i share this just some background on this thing but we don't like it the same all the time meaning maybe when we have uh yeah this is one sleeve but maybe we have 12 positions in a in a in a portfolio at the time and it ranges anywhere from as high as 15 to as few as eight so we've got 12 right that'd Mm -hmm. be a little less than 10 percent in each position but maybe we still have a 10% if, if everything was created equal, right? They'd all be about, you couldn't put 10% in everything. You'd be 120% invested. So unless you have leverage, which we are not using in this model, you're going to have less than 10% weightings. But if we really liked Costco, we might own 10 or 12% of the portfolio in just Costco because that is our way to overweight that position. However, if we felt that it was particularly like the price had run up a lot, we could sell back to 10 or even 9%, mm-hmm. still own it, trade part of it, and mm-hmm. then we can always come back later and repurchase more if we want to. And what we did was it's we didn't really let go of the tree branch, did we? No. Right? You know, we maybe just have two hands and you, now we have one hand, right? But we didn't let go. You <laughs> harvested some of the fruit and kept the tree. Right. And that is part of tactics. Right. Mm-hmm. So remember that in investing, there's all this different language, but your strategy is part of the long term way you're going to approach problem solving. Your tactics can be a little bit more short term in nature. And then if you want to get into uh, there's I always say there's three kinds of major portfolio management strategies. One of them is strategic, where you sort of set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Tactical, which has uh, more active engagement and trying to proactively position where the markets are shifting. And then dynamic, which is you're you're actively moving in and out, sometimes completely in or out of positions. That's like, I'm going to own Costco today and not tomorrow, and then I'll own it the day after again. Okay, now you're trading when you get into dynamic. Um, those are still a little bit sloppy in terms of descriptive terms, because they are a little bit subjective. Like, some person may use strategy where somebody else is calling it tactics, mm-hmm. right? They're not, it, it's not well-defined in the industry sort of does that a lot. Cause remember we use the, like financial industry is going to use flowery language. They're going to use financial language to make it more expensive. And I, I wish that wasn't an accurate statement, but I swear it is. And then you're going to get more and more people that are coming around to the fact that you may as well just say what it is because people are smart. You got the internet. You can look all this stuff up. So then you just you're, what you're figuring out is, do I like and trust and agree with what I'm purchasing? That's kind of where we're at on this show, right? Because all along I said, how what's the what's what was the one thing we said, right? Be patient as an investor. And the other thing we said was cross reference what you're being told with what you're being sold, right? Okay. If you will do those two things, those alone uh, ought to give you some additional discernment. And then the other thing is, don't be so eager to buy. 
right? If somebody's selling you the end of the world, don't be so eager to buy the end of the world. Pump the brakes for a second and say, Do you really want the end of the world? Well, or <laughs> what if they're wrong? What might also happen? Mm-hmm. We have to check ourselves all the time. We really feel like this. But like, like I'll go back to Costco. What if we're wrong? What would need to take place for Costco to really be a problem? We can kind of lay out some situations where if we saw these things happen, that would cause us concern. I think that's really wise. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is sort of like mentally rehearsing so that you recognize if something bad was to occur. You know, and 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 in in all dangerous situations, if you want a higher survivability rate, train for it. Okay, the military does it, law enforcement does it, emergency services does it because they want better outcomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can mentally rehearse and train for what happens when for it what hits may the fan. happen in the future by asking yourself, "What would I do if?" Mm-hmm. Okay, and today was a good sort of gut check for what would I do if, you know, this we just gave up all of September's gains in one day, and guess what? September could still end positive for the month. It sure can. Totally possible. So one day does not a trend make, and and I will leave you with that thought. Uh, so as we as we near the wrap up, Matt, let's share with our listeners how might they reach us if they need to get some insight personally. Well, they could give us a call if they want to. The phone number is 541-375-0898. Or you could shoot us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. Or just stop by and say hi. All right. So there you go. Uh, so they all work. You can also you can text that number too, 541-375-0898. If you text it, you can get somebody and we'll get back to you. But uh, we love to help, but we're out of time for today. So... Uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in. This has been Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN.